Red Channel Condition with Michael. You know, I never let myself be happy. Jonathan. This is like Jeopardy, except like Jeopardy where someone can die. And Peter. He chose to go to school, so fuck him. And welcome, listeners, to this week's episode of Red Channel Condition. Remember, if you like what you hear on this podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a like, comment, or subscribe. It really does help us out. I'm Peter, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Michael and Jonathan. How are you guys today? What's going on? Living life. You know what it is. Better than last week. <laughs> Better than last week? What, is it? what, is, what does that mean? Oh, right, because of the whole birthday yeah, situation, yeah. right? Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, who could I'm adapting. That? One more, one more rotation around the sun. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, kids. A lot, a lot, a lot of doings. A lot of doings in the news today, and I, I'm so excited to talk to you guys about some of this stuff because some of it is pretty funny. And uh, Mike, I kind of, I kind of want to start with one of one of the things that you made me aware of, which is, uh, and I'll let you talk a little bit about it. But the 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 Tesla driver who was who was pulled over <laughs> for for driving his autonomous vehicle. Could you give us a little synopsis and tell our listeners what what happened there? Yeah, sure. So. There's this guy who's in San Francisco, and he was pulled over for quote-unquote driving his Tesla um, while he was in the back seat. So, you know, he has a Model 3, which Elon Musk has kept constantly saying to anyone who will listen and to even some who won't listen that the Tesla vehicles are self-driving despite what they you know disclaim in like uh, legal documents and and safety filings right it's a level two system so you have to be aware of your surroundings you always have to hold on to the steering wheel but you know meanwhile uh musk who is basically the spokesperson for tesla keeps saying like oh yeah our cars can drive and take you from your driveway to like the other driveway or wherever you're going all automated, so you don't have to do anything. So this guy really is, he bought into that Kool-Aid, and he was pulled over riding in the back seat. Not once, because he did it, and you know he was arrested, and the car was impounded, but then he did it again in another <laughs> Tesla that he bought because the first one was impounded. So this guy is just absolutely amazing. <laughs> like he is, and I quote, he goes and he says, I have unlimited money to blow on Teslas. If you take away my Tesla, I will get another Tesla. That's how it works. End quote. <laughs> like, this man right here is amazing. I'm speechless. I'm speechless. I, and I, I have don't even so know. so many questions. Because, like, <laughs> first of all, I mean, why wouldn't he just pay the impound fee to get his original Tesla back, number one? Is kind of <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm getting at. Instead of spending, like, another $80,000 to get another car. Uh, number two, I guess my other question is like, you know, setting aside that this guy has infinite money to just simply buy another really expensive car capable of automated driving, you know, that argument aside, that's a fine argument, but like, where, where's the argument against, oh, wow, no, my Tesla just plowed through a baby carriage and five people? (laughs) Like, (laughs) am I just going to buy another Tesla after that? Like, what is, what's the logic there? I mean, his logic is, and I quote, it's like a living room back here. I'm relaxing in luxury while Elon Musk chauffeurs me, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
Oh my so god. That's that's the logic. Dude, that's the logic. Th- this this that this is like the ballinest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. Right? Like it's so good. Oh my god. Like, like this is like the the 36 inch like spinners <laughs> of I don't know of 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 purchasing decisions. Like Amazing. Like a, a, an athlete, like you could be, you know, like LeBron or something like that. You could be like Michael Jordan. And like, you don't have, like, you have never in your life, never in your career have, you know, stated something that's such a flex, you know, than this guy. This guy is basically <laughs> like, you could take, you could take my car and I don't give a shit. These shits are disposable to me. And he just said that flat out. And he actually did it. He actually did it. Like, I have no questions Amazing. for him. His power is infinite. <laughs> Like I judge him, I want to judge him, but that flex, I I'm speechless. It's so strong. I just I can't get like I understand the like the middle finger to authority saying like oh you take away my toy I'll just buy a new toy like I, that part I get. What I don't get is this man's confidence in the ability of this thing to do what it says it does, and that he can just kind of throw caution to the wind and and even better, his whole argument is self centered. You take away my toy i will buy a new toy for me to do what i want to do but it, you know it doesn't even kind of address the what if i actually hurt someone by by doing this he doesn't even think about that it sounds like no oh yeah no i mean i don't think he is i mean you can tell that this is a very self-centered decision making tree mm-hmm. you know he he does not give a shit about other people it's that affluenza yes like <laughs> yeah affluenza. right exactly it's 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 kind of amazing and you know like he's also quoted as saying like he feels like by mid 2022 the backseat thing will be normal and you know people are just overreacting right now very optimistic that's i appreciate his position being it's you know it's not such a big deal bro like i can i can hear it like it's it must (laughs) be nice to be so you know like rich that you can just tell the police i don't give a fuck and then like also be okay (laughs) when you say that it must be very nice you know what i don't understand is like how i mean there are you can further escalate this right it's not like law enforcement or it's just gonna be like oh he can just keep buying new teslas i guess we'll just keep cycling this over and over again they can elevate this thing to like reckless endangerment and and whatnot eventually he's going to have to decide whether he's going to keep playing this game or if he actually wants to go to prison he's 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 rolling the dice and assessing you how likely it is he's going to meet the business end of a nightclub you know like or a nightstick or something like that right like we're gonna see i mean the cops are not well known for their you know restraint and you uh disinterest in escalating situations especially repeat situations right so i want to bet against mr sharma and you know his his predilection for buying teslas you know i want to assume that the cops are probably just going to you know beat the crap out of him because that's what the cops are known for doing but you know he is you he is also extremely rich so you know we'll see we're gonna see what happens when an irresistible uh force meets an unmovable object right I'm not one to, I guess, support ambulance chasing lawyers, but I'd be following this guy around constantly. <laughs> and that one day when his, uh, when his Tesla, like Peter says, careens into a baby carriage, uh, I'd be like, hey, here's my, here's my postcard. The dude's loaded. Let, let's talk. <laughs> it, 
it is it is definitely uh interesting like peter says how detached his money seems to have made him from you know, like the basic humanity of things like what does happen if you know he careens into you know, somebody right like he's just going to be like ah, eh, you know it's elon musk's problem you know like deal with the insurance you know, i'll sue you know like you know he he mm -hmm. seems to feel like there's no responsibility to be concerned with anything because well i paid money for this and it's supposed to do that so like fuck you you know yeah i wonder what kind of um liability policy this guy has like everyone else is like okay you know you know 500 a million dollars whatever mm -hmm. as a liability value. this guy knows he's gonna do something incredibly stupid he's like i would like a 30 million dollar insurance policy please <laughs> geico's gonna be like what the fuck i mean it sounds like a lawyer's dream yes oh god that's what i'm saying like i would chase i would ch i would chase this guy i would chase the ambulance following yeah. this guy it's amazing all right. Well, well you, speaking of uh, repercussions for exceptionally wealthy people, um, uh, there was another story in, in the news that you guys linked about uh, Bill Gates. Would you guys like to uh, uh, regale our listeners with what's going on with him? Oh, yeah. it's uh, It's been a very big year, or I guess year and a half, two years for you know, uh, rich people, you know, like ultra wealthy people and you know, getting you know, hemmed up in divorces and stuff like that. You know, uh, so you mm. know, first was uh, Mr. Bezos, you know, last year or something like right. that, or two years ago, right. and you know, this time is Bill Gates. You know, so earlier this month, you know, Bill Gates and Melinda Gates divorced. You know, after twenty-seven years of marriage, and it was a surprise because you know, they had been going around you know, appearing on stuff like I think they appeared on like either a Netflix documentary, like a late night show, like maybe a month ago, talking about you. Know, you know, their foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and about, you know, vaccination <laughs> and such. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they split up, you know, and they've been married for forever, you know? So... So why, why is that? What, what, where, where is the trouble in paradise? You know, it was, you know, it was weird because, you know, initially they just, you know, they gave the typical, you know, ambiguous response of, you know, like they just, you know, their, the marriage was irretrievably broken, right? But as more information came out, you know, there was, you know, you know, a lot of additional things that came out, you know, about the trouble in paradise, right? So, you know, back in the early 2000s or something like that, right, you know, there was apparently, you know, uh, an affair, you know, that Bill Gates had with a Microsoft employee, right? And, you know, Microsoft kind of covered it up, you know, it's, and, you know, he just, you silently stepped down from the board of directors like that's when he went to spend more time you know, dealing with the uh the foundation right wow you know, so that's when he basically quit being right. boss he was he's like, like oh i'll just i'll just you know, i'll just become the chairman that was his michael jordan going to play baseball right <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean <laughs> it wasn't gambling debts it was i'm just gonna take a year to play yeah. baseball okay i got you you know, and uh you know, you know after that you know, a uh, couple of years ago when, you know, different people were getting in trouble due to their entanglements with, you know, one Mr. Jeffrey Epstein and such, you know, this kind of put, you know, undue pressure on their marriage, you know, and, you know, apparently in, since 2019, you know, uh, you know, Bill Gates' wife, Melinda, was, you know, kind of trying to back out of their marriage, you know, as a result of this, right, you know, as a result of, you know, getting, you know, entangled with the whole jeffrey epstein thing right you know wow and i mean hey you know, honestly you know, given the the climate of the world in general 
you know, that's that's a very good reason to feel like you needed to step away and reconsider things, right? You know, because do we know what level of entanglement we're talking about or Well, you know, it was it's been stated that you know, uh, the supposed reason was that you know, uh, Mr. Epstein offered you know, some you know, tax you know, and some you know, financial you know, you know, financial advisement you know, type things, right? Just get and you know, that that was always uh, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's thing, right? He he's the guy that has a lot of money and you know, knows a lot of people, so he's connected with the the right kind of people to present certain services to, right? But the question is, you know, like what are the right kind of people? You know, and what are the nature of these services, right? Because, you know, we also know, you know, uh, the different things, you know, and we don't have to get into them, but, you know, we know the different things that, you know, Jeffrey Epstein, you know, is, you know, currently associated with, right? You know, we got like crazy, you know, sex islands and stuff like that, right? You know, so is there any appropriate level of interaction with Jeffrey Epstein? I don't know. I don't know that there is. Honestly, if you lived in his apartment building, you know, like people probably have questions about it, right? And then, you know, just to the surprise nature of this divorce and, you know, the other things that came out as a function of it, you know, makes it seem a little more fuzzy, you know? So I, I don't know. Like, so it, it seems like Epstein approached Gates with some kind of business proposal, if, if, if I'm mm-hmm. correct. And Gates was like, thanks, but no thanks. Like I'm good. Or did they actually go further? Well, it also says, you know, in the times article that for years, Gates, Mr. Gates continued to go to dinners and meetings at Epstein's home where Mr. Epstein usually surrounded himself with young and attractive women. You know, so mm, okay, again, so that's a little bit more than yeah, that. You know, again, you know, you obviously, you know, there's you know, oh, like he only went there, he only went to the parties, you know, just to discuss you know, philanthropy and business, right? You know, so you know, of course, right? Like, it's we are not canceling Bill Gates, okay? Like. <laughs> He he's eliminated malaria or attempting to do so. Well, you know, I can't I can't complete you know, I can't cancel him even if I want to because the machine we're recording this on, you know, is running on Windows at this moment, right? So you know, there's not much I can do. You know, my, my Xbox is in the closet over there, you know. So you know it, it, So he's fully integrated into your life, is what you're saying. That's why we yeah. can't cancel him. He's 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 fully integrated in many people's lives right you know so that's one of those you know he's too big to fail right just like the big banks right i love it i mean really though come on he he gave us windows 95 right that's huge um 98 which is even better although i guess we could eh, you know what i guess we can cancel him for vista yeah he can can absolutely go under the jail what about windows me was that windows me yeah right (laughs) windows me no that's right vista was when balmer came out right like that was wasn't that? Yeah, his I thing? think uh, uh, Bill Gates had gone to play baseball at that point. Mm, yeah. Okay, all right, yeah. So Windows <laughs> ME. Yeah, all right, we're gonna cancel Bill Gates yeah, over he, Windows. He could go to jail. I like that. how playing baseball is now a euphemism for like, fuck it, I'm doing something completely that I'm not qualified to do with my life, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> well, it, it, it means you're you're running from yes. something, and you've been kicked. Yeah, yeah like you you self canceled. You, know, you 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 canceled yourself. You you can't. <laughs> George is gonna tell me about the rabbits. I gotta go. <laughs> Melinda Gates, uh, during their prenup, right? Gates actually had it in 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 the prenup that he is allowed to go see an ex girlfriend for a number of weekends a year, uh, unquestioned. Like he's just allowed to do that. And I don't know. That's it. Seems like you kind of 
you know know what you're getting into you 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 figure at like that level you know of notoriety you know like that level of wealth you know things like that you know especially you know like these kind of arrangements are like strictly business right you know like that Mm -hmm. you know what must it, how many pages must a prenup between Bill Gates and his wife be, right? Like, that kind of thing has got to be the mm. same size as my fucking business textbooks, right? You know, like, that thing's <laughs> got to be hundreds of pages. Bill Gates doesn't look like an absolute baller, but he is because the fact that you can even say, you know, in your prenup that, like, I am free to go hang out with my ex-girlfriend who still, you know, who we still get along with very well for infinity weekends, like, whenever I choose, I like, and actually say that with a straight face. How do you, I don't like he wins. He's, he, he's more ball over a guy than the guy that just keeps buying Teslas. <laughs> you see, like, you know, I, I, I want to agree with that new, like, but, but the guy that owns the Tesla was literally like, I'm just so rich, which is just like so powerful. You know, Bill Gates doesn't, you know, Bill Gates has like this carefully, you know, curated, you know, image, you know, like dresses very normal, you know, doesn't really, you know, mm. uh, show up and talk about, you know, you know, how, you know, how much, you know, he, you know, he has or, you know, how much of a, you know, how much control over things he has, which is why this was, it's even more crazy that, you know, you know, he's, you know, secretly dealing with, you know, Epstein or, you know, like he had this affair and like nobody knew about it. You know, you would think that mm. somebody that has, you know, such control over his image would you know, have control? You know, would try to you know, leverage control over those people. I guess maybe that's why you know he's able to put you know things like that into his uh, into his prenup, right? You know, he controls so much, right? So like, what are you going? What are you going to tell the guy whose systems control everything to hurt him? You know, what do you what are you going <laughs> to tell him? You know, when you're a master of the universe, you know, what can you do? Great point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just want to see his little black book. <laughs> wow, that's right. Well, I mean, speaking of masters of the universe, it's time to play. Wow, wow. No, no, that is that right. Is right. Wow, no, that's right. Starting with uh, um, Netflix is apparently producing uh and 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 kevin smith appears to be the 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 master behind this uh a masters of the universe uh is is this a series yeah yes it is yes it's a series a a revival of the he-man series um he-man masters of the universe directed by kevin smith um gentlemen i want your take on this um netflix making masters of the universe is that a wow no or that's right uh i'm gonna give it a wow right it hasn't quite elevated to you know that's right you know but when i was a kid you know like basically every kid from that era you know i used to you know i used to love he-man you know it was you know a great and exciting show even though it was clearly made just to sell fucking toys also like every single show in that time so anything that brings he-man back you know I've been supportive. You know, I really loved the 2002 He-Man cartoon. You know, that came out in on uh, Cartoon Network. You know, I hope that uh, Netflix is willing to spend the money to you know make something great. And I know that you know Kevin Smith is a fan of He-Man, so I know that he's gonna you know, do what it takes to make something you know as epic as possible for you know the hardcore you know action figure, the hardcore you know 80s cartoons nerds out there. Like he's gonna he's gonna do it big. 
you know, what I hope is that, you know, he'll lean into it even harder and maybe we'll get some some things that ev- that evoke the cheesiness of the uh, 80s He-Man movie. You know, because I feel like that's like the oh, my favorite thing. You mean like the guitar? Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. You know, that's one of my favorite things. You know, from that era. You know, and of course, you know, yet another uh, Dolph Lundgren vehicle. You know, if it was good in the eighties, it starred Dolph Lundgren, irrespective of whether or not it was actually like a quality piece of work. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I'm gonna give it a while. Wow. All right, all right, Michael. What about you? What? How do you feel about Kevin Smith taking on He Man and the Master of the Masters of the Universe uh, combined with Netflix? I'm gonna give it a. That's right. I I don't really care much about Kevin Smith, but I'm j- I just like He Man. Now, I mean, I don't know much of the original He Man. I don't think I enjoyed that one. What I remember from He Man was the new adventures of He Man, oh, Space He Man. You know, the one where. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. The one where he's in space. Like, I know, like, that seems to be the redheaded stepchild of, of the He-Man universe. But that's the one I was very familiar with. And then I, I also really like the, uh, the remake in, in, like you said, 2002. So I'm totally on board for this. The animation so far from the stills uh, from the article look great. Um, like, I don't really care much about this overall story or or maybe even what they decide to include from the 80s i think that would be great uh but i don't know enough and i'm not a big enough fan to really shit on he-man so i'm just going into this as a person looking to i guess dig up nostalgia and this thing seems to have a lot of it i mean they're bringing back uh well they're bringing mark hamill into this right yes he's playing skeletor which i think is an excellent choice big move so, you know, anything Mark Hamill is in and, and his Joker and his Batman, like, it's all feeding into that nostalgia. So that's right. He-Man shall inhale my genitals and I shall deliver upon him the ultimate protein shake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely vote that is right on this because I, I enjoyed any iteration of He-Man uh, from the Dolph Lundgren Masters of the Universe movie from the 80s to the 80s cartoon to the remake that Cartoon Network made uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, I'm a He-Man fan. I don't give a fuck. Um, I'm excited to see how they do this. I think Netflix has has, has made wonderful adaptations of uh, a variety of shows. Um, if Mark Hamill's involved, so much the better. Um, uh, yeah, that is fucking right. Like, I, I would love to see how they wow. do this. Oh, that is right, though. And 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 speaking of of Netflix adaptations, there's a rumor going around on the interwebs that Netflix is teaming up with SquareSoft to create a Final Fantasy VII remake anime. What the fuck do you guys think about that? Is that a wow, no, or that's right, John? Um, you know this that is a that is fucking right. You know, just. You know, shut up and take my money. Dot gif. You, know, I don't give a fuck. You, know, what it's about? It could be. It could literally be just like a, a stick figure drawing, and I would sign up to Netflix eight times to watch that stick figure drawing. You know, like. So you don't fear like any kind of oversaturation with the Final Fantasy VII IP. I mean, at this point, like they've they're clearly you know positioning Final Fantasy VII as like its own thing. You know, even it, even within uh, Final Fantasy, you know, as an IP. And I wouldn't be surprised if the success of these things are going to end up having, you know, Final Fantasy just be mostly, you know, FF7 iconography. 
and you know, like y'all know how I feel. I think it's the it's the greatest RPG ever made. You know, so yeah, like I'm I'm here for it. I don't think that I I know that they're milking it, but I also know that I'm part of the problem, and I'm here to facilitate the milk. You know, keep going. <laughs> you know, take my money. Let's go. I'm ready. All right, all right, Michael. How do you feel about this uh, this this pending news about Netflix teaming up with SquareSoft to create a Final Fantasy VII remake anime? That is fucking right. Wow. Okay. It's this is it's Final Fantasy VII. What what can you say, right? I wouldn't be surprised if if Sony decided to hardware lock the special so that only Sony TVs can play it. <laughs> You know, or or they make you buy new Sony TV just to just to watch this on Netflix. Those fucking bastards! Like I'm still pissed off about the whole PS4, PS5 thing. That's it. It's Final Fantasy VII. So what can you say? Like let's let's fucking go. Let's do it. I don't care what the story's about. I don't care what timeline they're covering. Yeah, no. I mean, I I do want to see an actual series based on like the life. At the gold Just Dio in his underwear coming up with new games for kids to play. I would fucking love it. If we can get some kind of, like, not necessarily gritty or whatever, right? But just a show based on the gold saucer and, like, the the underground CD, uh, CD gold saucer or, or one of, like, the marketplace. It, like, the CD underbelly of all of that. Totally there for it. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Um... For me, I I, I kind of wish that I had any other way to vote other than that is fucking right, you know, because like part of me worries about oversaturation for for the IP and the franchise. Um, because I mean they 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 did try like a little anime. I mean I think they had what was it? Um, Last Order, right? They they did that. It was. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah, it was like a thirty-minute anime sequence, basically covering you know Sephiroth going nuts at Nibelheim. Um, whatever. Um, and it was fine. It was it was cool. Um, but like you know, it was one of those things that was you know it was relegated to some dark corner of the internet, and like you know it was only like twenty minutes long or something. And I don't know with with the with the uh, with the the news of them developing like mobile games and and. Doing the remake and all these other little t- tiny pro- cell phone games, like tiny Final Fan- Fantasy VII projects, I I do worry about oversaturation and kind of playing the franchise or the IP out. Um, but I I can't say no to this. I I will be there day one and <laughs> I will renew my Netflix subscription instantly to to watch this. It seems like they're they they've got a license to print money with Final Fantasy VII at this point. You know. Well, they always did, but they're just now cashing in on it. <laughs> and they seem to be cashing in all at once. Oh yeah, totally. All right, so um, maybe one, one, one or two more things for the for for Wow. No, that's right. Uh, I know you you had sent me a piece about uh, airline passengers starting to get weighed at 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 airports. Do you want to give us maybe a brief synopsis and tell me whether that's uh, whether you're in favor or against? Is that a wow or is that a no? Is 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 or is that that's right? What the fuck is going on? This is a little. Uh... Like, this is mandated by law. Airplanes can only carry so much. You know, they kind of take rough averages and statistics, uh, how much each person weighs, how many people can you then fly on an airplane, right? I'm kind of like, wow, as in surprised that this is going to be a thing where people are maybe asked to be weighed uh, just to calculate how much. 
how many people can fit on a on an airplane uh because i guess going forward uh the government and, and airlines have realized that americans have gotten fatter over the years and that these old numbers that they used to have are no longer probably representative of the overall group of flying uh of the flying populace um but holy crap wow like you're just gonna measure people at the gate weigh them at the gate um that's that's crazy i don't i don't i don't know there's got to be another way to do it or something uh yeah i guess <laughs> like i don't know what to say about that john tell me what's going through your mind yeah i'm gonna you know this is this is a no for me you know, and you know, this is you know, to me it's you know, as I feel like I've said far too many times, you know, while we've been recording these things, you know, like this is like maximum America. Like this is this is exactly how we seek to solve, you know, something like that. So, you know, the the problem is that, you know, the planes are you know, it costs too much money, you know, to like uh you know, carry so much quote weight and stuff like that on these planes and stuff like that. We need to you know, weigh the the airplanes and stuff like that, so we can save the co- the fuel cost and you know quote make things safer. You know, the same airlines that were saying that were also like you know doing whatever they could to prevent from you know reducing how many people they carried you know on you know, during the pandemic, right? Or mandating that people had to wear a mask on a on a plane, right? You know, because you don't want to lose the seats because you don't want to lose money, right? You know, so. I I just you know, I don't feel like there this is an altruistic new you know, business need you know for for uh planes and stuff like that you know I feel like this is you know malicious interpretation of you know uh legal and business requirements you know and I also feel like you know, you know, while you uh you know, obesity and you know, uh weight and stuff like that is a thing that could be considered a health problem you know, and you know, even like you, you know, like a, you know, like a mental health, you know, a social health, you know, type of issue, right? Because there are a lot of underlying issues that cause people to you know, uh, have you know, weights, you know, of a certain amount. It's the kind of thing where mm-hmm. you know, I feel like there would be other you know better, more holistic solutions for people in America, you know, much less the world for right. Like you know, maybe it would be it would be easier if you know they made it you know, less expensive to eat well, right? You know, if they made it less expensive to, you know, seek, you know, uh, doctors and, you know, have medical attention, for example, you know, maybe, you know, some of these problems could be resolved so that you didn't have to, you know, end up, you know, proxy fat shaming people and then, you know, well, I guess we have to charge them more to sit on this plane, right? You know, like, it's, I just, it's it's not even that I don't understand the 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 nuts and bolts dollars and cents reason for it. I just fucking hate it. Like I just do. I can't, I can't get past it. Sorry guys. No. <laughs> so that's a no. Okay. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm going to vote wow on this and I have some questions, honestly. Like, so, so I, I'm, I'm a rather skinny individual, right? You know, so does this mean that like if, if they weigh me and if they have certain weight requirements, like does that mean that I would pay less for a ticket? I can almost guarantee you not mm-hmm. if I'm under the weight <laughs> threshold for well, for no. whatever. <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't think it, I don't think it has anything to do with ticket prices. This is basically like, um, you know, uh, this is an intelligence gathering to see on a on a broad spectrum of how, how many fat people... the average man is <laughs> right and then they can do whatever calculations they need to say like you know the average person is now this fat 
and then you know we can be like okay i guess this car- this plane can carry now this number of people well now that well that doesn't seem fair now then because like you know i shouldn't have to pay as much as some 300 pound fat fuck right well i mean that's i mean you you guys remember that controversy that happened a while back where like people were being forced to buy like two seats instead of one because they they kind of spilled over so i mean at that point then you're talking about what you're talking about They're they're already you know, doing these you know, measurements yeah. these, these data collection things like they already have scales to measure you know, uh, the amount of things that are on the plane you know, even though it's not mm-hmm. necessarily at like a granular level you know so they just want to get more granular but it's it's again the same kind of thing you know, the the only reason why they want to collect more granular information is is so that they can justify changes in the way that they assess costs to the people flying on the plane. Like, unless you think they're it's going crazy to... crazy that this happens at the gate. Yeah, like, you know... Like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, they, they're, they're, cap- they're capturing this information already, but, you know, they're, they're not using it to say, oh, well, you know, maybe we should build larger planes, or maybe we should build planes with rooms for, you know, more uh, people to, to sit comfortably on them or something like that. They still, you know, just trying to, you know extract even more money when you buy a plane ticket like the, you know today i was looking you know, or yesterday i was looking on JetBlue or whatever and there's like you know there's a regular fare and a regular fare plus and the regular fare is the one where you can't have any carry-ons right so you can't even bring a backpack on the plane you're just supposed to use the fucking plane like it's the subway i guess to go to orlando or something like that like things <laughs> like that just you know, you're or it's already expensive to fly and you know this just this just seems to me like a justification to to charge more or charge differently, you know, to to fly, you know, it doesn't seem like they're doing it for the the customer. First of all, I feel like you're fat shaming people if you're like, oh wow, no, you weigh like three hundred pounds, like your t- like your ticket, like it costs more or something, or you know, or whatever. We have to account for like fucking three hundred pound people on the plane, therefore everybody's ticket costs more. Meanwhile, here I am, you know, a hundred and fucking seventy five pounds. Uh, like I shouldn't have to fuck pay that. Like those are you fat fuckers making the plane heavy. <laughs> you know. I, 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 um, I don't. Yeah, I get it. Um, it's it's hard to say how much this is gonna directly impact the cost of a ticket. Um, you know, apparently this is fairly common uh, around the world. I mean, I've never run into it on on any of my flights out of country, but apparently it's it's just not done here in the States. That concludes this week's edition of Wow, No, That's Right. Getting back into the news, I would like to preface this with, hey guys, guess what? We got our very first uh, email from a listener. <laughs> oh boy. Who, who wanted, yes, wow. yes, yes, yes. So, okay. so if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to read the email from our listener who took the time out of their, their precious day to, to, to talk to us and, um, and actually ask us to discuss the topic. So with your permission, I'm going to read the email and then um, open up the, the topic that they, that they requested for, for discussion. Uh, how, how do you guys feel about that? Hit it. Shout out, shout out to the listener. I like that. Yeah, wow. Holy crap, there's someone out there. Yeah, thank thank God there's someone out there. So first (laughs) of all, thank you, listener, for sending us an email. And um, um, it reads as follows. No names. Uh, Congratulations on your first few episodes of Red Channel Condition. 
I really enjoyed the various topics you covered and your informed, nerdy, and comedic banter. Your comfort with one another comes through as you discuss your varied perspectives. I wondered if you would consider discussing the upcoming New York City mayoral race for a future episode. <laughs> Thank you, listener. Thank you very much for the email. And uh, yeah. guys, I mean, you guys are both New York City natives, born and raised. Um, you certainly must have some opinions. Why don't you give us a little uh, preface of what's going on in terms of the New York City mayoral race? Paint, a, paint us a picture. Who are the candidates? Who are the players? What? What's going on in New York City? Uh, there are man. This is <laughs> this. That's a yeah, big question. There's, there's there's <laughs> a lot of there's a lot of contestants in you know the mayoral election. You know the the Democratic primary is coming up in uh, June. I believe it's uh, June twenty second. You know, and yep. And uh, we just passed the first debate, I think, this past week. This is this is a very unique election in the city's history because you know, a you know, obviously the city just dealt with uh, this unprecedented pandemic and all the disruptions that were caused here, you know, at a unique scale versus you know lots of places in the rest of the country or you know the world, and you know, mm -hmm. also you know this is the first uh, mayoral election the first big election in the city that you know, features uh, ranked choice voting. So instead of, you know, there being like, you know, one or two you know, people left over and you vote for that person and that's it, you know, this time you're going to rank your, you know, your five favorite, you know, and, you know, we're going to see who gets the most votes, you know, to, to move on. Right. And it's going to be, you know, this is going to be a totally different election than any of the others that have happened in the city just on that alone. You know, so you know, it's a it's a unique field and a unique situation for this crazy ass election. Yeah, um, like there there there's so many people running. I don't even know how we can talk about them all, but I guess and you know, like help me out here because there are so yes. many. Uh, I th I think the main contenders so far. Um, or the people that you know poll well enough to maybe have a chance is um, Eric Adams, mm -hmm. Di Diane Morales, yep. Andrew Yang, Catherine Garcia, Scott Stringer, Ray McGuire, and Maya Wiley. Right? And, and did I miss anyone else that made it to the debate stage at least? Uh, or was there was Sean Donovan that made it to the Sean? Yeah, Sean Donovan uh, debate stage. You um, right. Yeah, I believe you you mentioned uh, uh Ray McGuire, right? So that was yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are the okay. the people that made it to at least the the debate stage. So yeah. I don't feel so bad about missing uh Sean Donovan. So okay. <laughs> yeah. So who the fuck who the fuck are these people and and what differentiates them? Oof, holy crap. We might need a whole podcast just on that. I I guess m would it be helpful to group them as far as like, you know, more progressive, moderate Democrats, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think somewhat the the more uh, left or progressive uh, ones are uh, Maya Wiley and uh, Diane Morales. Mm -hmm. You would say. I think Sean Donovan's pretty pretty much on that side too, but maybe a little closer to the moderate side. You know, he he's he's probably you know a little you know more like you know Scott Stringer and stuff like that, and that like mm -hmm. he's like progressive ish, right? You know, right. Uh, Donovan worked in the Obama White House, which is pretty much, you know, and he, he worked at, as the, uh, was the director of HUD, uh, like the mm -hmm. housing. Uh, yeah. You know, so like, yep. yeah. 
he yeah so he he's he's like diet progressive you know supposedly um <laughs> yeah and then i guess uh ray mcguire and eric adams and uh Catherine garcia are probably more you know moderate you know, getting closer to the center there you know, like a lot you know, andrew mm-hmm. yang you know, has you know, a mixed bag of you know of policies some of his policies are more uh progressive and some of his policies are more uh I guess centrist or conservative in nature, you. Know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot on the democratic spectrum, you know, for all of these guys approaching their primary. Yeah, there's there's a lot. I don't I don't know how to effectively talk about all these candidates, except for maybe just jumping in and maybe just discussing issues and perhaps where these candidates stand on the on those issues okay like i i I don't even know how to yeah so so maybe a good place to start would be um as new yorkers which you guys again born and bred and you still live there um what 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 do you guys think are the are the biggest issues facing the city and does do any of these candidates really speak to what you think the problems are okay um so i mean like there's you know it it was a a crazy summer in 2020 you know uh based again on the pandemic and you know the knock on effects of the pandemic right so you know you have some stuff with uh, uh criminal justice and you know the cops and stuff like that and you know you have a lot of stuff with you know, uh how you know businesses and such were affected by uh covid-19 you know, so i think those are probably two of the the bigger uh, the bigger things you know, at least in you know, speaking for myself um you know i know when we're you know, looking in the debate and stuff like that you know a lot of uh people had interesting thoughts about you know what they should do with regards to criminal justice and you know how to deal with police accountability um mm-hmm. you know i know that uh andrew yang and eric adams were very much you know, uh interested in you know, bolstering uh and empowering the police you know, they you know they felt that they shouldn't necessarily you know I guess the hot topic is whether or not you should uh, reduce the amount uh, that the police are funded. You know, the police department in New York City. Right. You know, maybe right. reduce the headcount right. of yeah. the police. Uh, both uh, Eric Adams right. and Andrew Yang didn't really want to do that. Well, all right. Uh, one one quick question, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe maybe you'll clear this up for me as well as as well as some of our listeners. Now, when we're talking about defunding the police, does that necessarily mean reducing the headcount or reducing the kind of responsibilities in terms of things that police are responsible <laughs> for? Well, it really depends yes, on who you're asking. You okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the problem with uh, I mean, just in general, what I feel with democratic messaging. Um, is that, you know, defund the police means very different things to very different people. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, you know, there are, there are people... I think it's stupid. <laughs> you know, there are people... I think it's fucking stupid. <laughs> but all right, go on. There, you know, you know, when you get further, you know, to the left and stuff like that, you know, defunding the police could literally mean, you know, defunding the police, right? You know, and you know that's a very easy concept to understand, right? Like the police, you know, NYPD, you know, has you know, crazy amount of uh, headcount, right? Like there's like something like thirty to fifty thousand billion yeah, dollars, thirty man. to fifty thousand uh, people in the police department, and you know they get six billion dollars mm-hmm. to run the department. Like there are probably you know 
like military units in places that don't have that headcount, right? You know, and you know the the police have a lot of you know military tools, and they have you know unlimited impunity to operate, right? You know, so you know you could you know one way to interpret that would be to you know reallocate you know the amount of money that they receive that six billion dollars. You know, maybe you you take some of that and you give that money to, you know, mental health services so that maybe the cops don't have to deal with, you know, like, uh, you know, mental health issues, you know, people, you know, you know, on drugs and stuff like that in the street, you know, maybe they don't have to, you know, deal with, you know, putting people in housing, you know, you can take some of that money and you use it to build, you know, more affordable housing or, you know, you know, revamp how the shelters are run, you know, things like that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thorny topic. You know, and you, know, you, I, that was one of the things I was listening to, you know, when listening to the debate and you, and you, know, I'm, you know, speaking for myself, you know, I understand the need for public safety, but it's really, really important to me, you know, that, you know, you know the concept of, you know, what, you know, the police do and, you know, how they're deployed, you know, you know, it's, it's more important to me that, you know, it's not about how much money they get. It's about how accountable they are for what they do. You know, I feel like that mm -hmm. accountability shouldn't have anything to do with, you know, well, they need $6 billion to be like super accountable, right? They need 50,000 uh, cops to be super accountable. You know, I don't want you, know, I, you know, the police are already very strong. They've been given a lot, you know, with you know, the public trust, you know, like they're, they get to carry guns in New York City, you know, which, you know, not a lot of people do. You know, you know, mm -hmm. so they're they're they're, empo yeah, they're empowered by the state and they're respected, you know, and feared, you know, because they have that. So, you know, I just want to see that, you know, any candidate that you know, gets you know, any ranking for me, you know, I want to see that, you know, their position on this is more about, you know, uh, how accountable they can be made, just like any other job. Right. Like if you committed an act of malpractice on your job, like you might get disciplined, you might get fired. You might have your pay docked or your hours docked or something like that, right? You, know, mm -hmm. I want to see, I want to see that, you know. Right. So, how many vacation days is a uh, is a is a black man worth <laughs> in that case? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to do that calculus. You know, we got to work that out. Well, let me, let me ask you a question because I think you bring up a really really good point in terms of uh accountability and and defining that and quantifying that and 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 like here's just a question i don't have necessarily the answer but i want to pose it to to the two of you and see what you have to say do you think that uh ac accountability is the type of thing that could be improved if we were to more clearly define what police are responsible for doing so for example like if if we were to you know, stop saying, all right, cops aren't going to do like random bullshit traffic stops anymore. That's going to be left to a different entity. We're going to take that off their plate. So in other words, if we give them less and more clearly defined responsibilities, do you think that that would improve accountability? If you're like, okay, you have one job, like stop some guy from like holding up a grocery at gunpoint, like, as opposed to like, well, check everybody's license plate and stop them. And, you know, if they have a fucking, you know, outstanding warrant for drinking in a park, well, beat them to death. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what do you think about that? <laughs> I think, I mean, 
definitely limiting this. I think part of the um, the argument of the defund the police is kind of limiting their scope already. Um, so I don't think it'll do anything for accountability uh, because that's a different thing. Um, accountability is, you know, actually having prosecutors who are willing to prosecute when the police act outside of their scope um, or use too much force, right? That's that's accountability. Just saying, you know, cops can only respond to, I don't know, violent robberies or whatever doesn't mean that accountability is there because the guy responds, now the robber is on the floor and the cop has to restrain him and he knees on, and he puts his knee on his back of his head for like 30 minutes or, or whatever. Like that doesn't mean like that kind of force is still allowed. The, the thing that you're responding to has very little to do with that. I think that's just kind of um, maybe limiting the amount of interaction uh, between the the police and, you know, just regular folks uh, going about their day, which I guess might be a good thing. But accountability comes from prosecutors, comes from empowering the civilian complaint board to actually take meaningful action against people who break the rules. And, you know, that is actually one of the questions that, like, off the website, projects.thecity.nyc, um, the candidates were answering. And I took this kind of test myself. And I'm a little disappointed in, in some, of the, some of the responses in, in them. Um, basically, uh, one of these questions re relating to what you're saying is, should the NYPD commissioner have final say on disciplining officers for conduct violations? Right? So that kind of thing, that's an accountability question, but you're leaving it to a cop, the top cop to discipline cops. And I think removing, right? Like that connection is very important to having accountability. Um, that's personal. So I was a little bit disappointed because I generally favor, uh, Andrew Yang that he seems to be on the side of the commissioner should retain decision-making authority in all cases. So that's kind of my little um, minus on, uh, on, you know, on Andrew's it, it's stance. It's funny. I, I don't disagree with you, but I mean, like, any job you have, like, you know, if you, if you fuck up at your job, like, usually in most situations, you have a boss who, in addition to knowing and doing what you do, does other things but he's still associated with what you do, you know, and at the end of the day, he's the one that disciplines you. So should, should we not? I mean, I know, I honestly, I obviously know that, you know, you leave a cop to police a cop, he's going to side with the cop. But, you know, in mm -hmm. pretty much speaking for any other job, like you would get disciplined by someone who is also very familiar with what you do. I think you can be familiar with the job without necessarily being there because it's a civilian complaint board. You can mix it up. Like, are you going to have like ex cops on it? Um, with mixed with other people who are not cops, right? As opposed to having all the power of discipline vested in the individual who all he is, is a cop, you know? Yeah. You're, you're only getting one viewpoint. But if you're a board, you know, of like a panel of judges in some ways, right? Maybe you get like five cops or three cops on there with like six other people who aren't cops, but have some kind of common sense of what is right and wrong and what you can apply to a given situation. 
that seems to me a better way to go about it. I can't really disagree with you there. John, what do you think? Um, I mean, I, I basically agree with that. I think that you know, if you're going to have you know, an, an entity such as the CCRB to you know, facilitate that kind of accountability, like you got to have you know, you know, a mixture you know, of, of bodies in that group you know, because then you can come to some kind of consensus and make a decent decision. You know, at least you know, some kind of experts, right? Because you, know, you don't want to just have... You know, you know, nobody that truly knows what it is to, you know, do cop things or be a cop or what kind of realistic uh, decisions can be made. The only problem, you know, with that is that, you know, uh, you know, police and similar entities might be biased, you know, towards protecting themselves, right? And they may, you know, mm-hmm, they right. may yep. do what they can to prevent such, you know, a body from having the teeth necessary to make those tough decisions, right? To hold itself accountable. Right. That, that's one of the problems that you know, currently exist in you know, different incarnations of you know, these kinds of accountability boards. So, you know, we know the CCRB is basically toothless. Yeah, as, cur- as currently constructed. Yeah, you, you got to give it some you got to give them a bigger stick if you expect them to do anything. Otherwise, it's just it's just for show. Right. It's just for show. It's you know, it's, it's a it's a Cardassian trial. <laughs> <laughs> like we already know what no, it is right. going in so. <laughs> that's so perfect Amazing. i love that oh. one of the other issues right when it comes to cops is should nypd officers reside in the five yes. boroughs i yeah agree yeah absolutely i i, I sorry to you know, speak over y'all or whatever like yeah i definitely think that they should you know i will Right. I understand that the general uh, statement that you know, a lot of these entities make is you know, well how come the other you know, uh, city agencies don't mandate this right you know though they like mm-hmm. do right you know, and you know, how come you know, like it's so expensive to live in New York City you know they don't pay well enough to you know let uh, people live in the city you know if you know, in the five boroughs you know and I mean that you know that's like a an almost valid uh position to me right like <laughs> you know because that is a real thing it is expensive to live within the five boroughs right but the thing mm-hmm. is you know i don't see you know any other you know city agencies you know having issues like that you know right like teachers you know for example you know they they live here you know you know they have the same kind of yep. struggles you know, trying to figure out how to pay rent in uh in the city right and they require even more uh, credentials and stuff like that to work in you know, to work and live in the city and be underpaid. Right. So I want you know that's, ex- that's an yeah, excellent like cops. Point. You know, you don't even need to get you know, a bachelor's degree. You know, crazy. You know, what's insane is that you know, in New York City, you know, like cops require technically you know, more seasoning than other agencies, right? Like in other you know, towns and cities and stuff like that, you can be a cop with a you know a high school diploma or something like that, right? Here you got to get you know sixty credits, right? You know, but you know you don't even need to complete you know, a degree you know, to be a cop, right? You know, so it's like and and when you do that you know, now you have this job with you know, very good you know, public sector benefits and stuff like that, you know, and you know, again you get that you know, that public trust invested in you, right? You get the right to have a gun, right? The right to have that badge you know, that gives you a little you know, more respect than, you know, me walking down the street or something like that, right? You see that uniform, you know, and yeah, you know, like, t- 
teachers, you know, have to spend their, you know, teachers and other, you know, city agencies, you know, they got to spend their own money to provide, you know, what they need to do their jobs, right? Like, you know, like, I've got family members that are teachers, they got to, you know, buy their paper and, you know, you know, buy the stuff to decorate their class and, you know, so on and so forth, you know, the cops, you know, they may have like a uniform, uh, you know, cost that they have to pay that gets refunded to them. As far as, you know, I, I, I hear those concerns, you know, when, you know, people, you know, speak out against having to live in the city. But I think, you know, those concerns are mitigated by the fact that, you know, if you're integrated in uh, society, you know, then you, if you're integrated in the city that you live in and police in, then you'll be better equipped to do the job more fairly, I think. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Community policing probably should begin with living in the community is really all I can, yeah. you know, say, right? Kind of a no-brainer, I mean, to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, this question was asked to the candidates, and it basically breaks down to Maya Wiley is saying that every police officer needs to live in the five boroughs by the end of the term, her first term, if she is elected. The other candidates... Um, say that the ones who are in the force now, on the force now, like whatever, but all new hires going forth should have to live in the city. To me, that sounds reasonable. I don't know about you guys, but like you got to start somewhere and putting the divider down, like as you know, new, new hires, you know, you get this and you have to do this. You know what you're getting into when you apply yeah. now. Like just make it a thing. Let's just do it. Yeah, I'm with that. Right. As as long as there's some, you know, kind of, you know, caveat that says like, okay, you can't just get be a new hire, live in Brooklyn, and then work on the force for a year and move to Connecticut. Right. You know, as long right. as no, there's you, some kind you of gotta fucking, stay here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I didn't even know that was a thing because, like, uh, when I applied for um, a job up in Rockland County way back when, one of the quali one of the things was I had to live there. I had to live in Rockland County. Like, I don't. I don't I didn't even know I didn't even know that this was an issue before, you know, I knew it was an issue. You because you again, you I have you know, uh, family members that work you know, in certain uh city and state and you know, federal agencies and stuff like that. You know, family members and friends and you know, people that I know. So the concept of having to live, you know, where you work is, you know, common, right? So Literally, the only time I've ever heard that being you know, uh, uh, an issue is when the police union explains this. And I mean, you know, <laughs> again, you know, like I said, you know, I, I want to be sympathetic towards it because it is very expensive to live in New York City. Like, it doesn't matter what part of it you live in. It's very expensive to live here. Right. But, you know, it's not a problem you know, that seems to be materially relevant to any of the other you know, city, state, and federal agencies, only the police. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, again, part of me thinks that that's because you know, uh, these guys, you know, are, you know, these men and women are like working in the force and they just want to get away from you know, the people that you know, they live in, you know, the, the people that they're you know, messing with, you know, essentially, right? You know, because you know, if you're around there, you know, you know, they they have this you know, us versus them mentality you know, that's you know, that you're told you know, when you go into the police uh, training right when you're in the academy you get made to you know, believe that you know, everything out there could be you know, the reason why it's your last time you're walking around outside right so you 
like you don't want to live in the city because like you're you're policing in the city and the people in the city might take its revenge on you right you know but again that's not a material concern for say you know a teacher or somebody working in the courts or somebody you know working on in the mta or somebody you know like Everyone else doesn't seem to have mm -hmm. this problem. Like, you shouldn't be afraid to police a community that you're not willing to be a part yes. of. Like, and if you are, then you shouldn't be a fucking yeah, that's cop. it, straight up. That's, that's it. Yep, you said it. Another question was, should the NYPD respond to 911 uh, calls involving people in severe emotional distress? Um, okay. A lot, a lot of shit happened because of that. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's one of the questions that was asked to the candidates. I want to see where you guys uh, fall on it. You I you know, speaking for myself, you know, I don't think that they should, you know, unless they're trained to do it. I actually, you know, I would love it if there was, you know, some kind of you know, uh, special police unit that was, you know, specially trained in that, but that's another one of those things kind of the way that, you know, the military works and stuff like that. You know, you you require this extra training and you may require you know, additional, you know, education for this sort of thing, right? So maybe you can't just be, you know, you know, some guy that graduated from high school and stuff like that, and you know, and you never did anything, you never learned anything, and you here's a badge and gun, now go deal with this, right? You know, so <laughs> you know right. you know, as currently constructed, no, like I you can't you they shouldn't have to answer calls like that, you know, because they're not trained to do it, right? The only problem is, you know, you know, I believe that you know, these I believe in general that you know, entities like like this you know, will find ways to maliciously comply with them. So you know, all of a sudden you know, lots of calls that get reported you know, for CompStat and stuff like that would suddenly be you know, calls that are mostly people in severe emotional distress and they, you can justify not answering those calls, right? You know, and then the other problem is that you, know, you might have, uh, like you have EMS, right? EMTs and stuff like that. And they are the people that are technically trained to respond to calls like that, right? But they pay you know, EMTs like fucking scrotum, dude. Like they pay them nothing, you know. Yep. So like, you know, yep. maybe you know, the and that that gets back to you know, like what does it mean to you know, defund the police? What does it mean to reallocate the resources you know, that are given to certain city agencies? Right. You know that could be part of the solution, right? Maybe EMTs should have some additional funding such that they can in fact take up. You know, and take on you know calls like this. Maybe EMTs come with the NYPD when you have you know, like a guy that's in the middle of you know Utica Avenue in Brooklyn, you know, holding something that looks like a gun but is actually a pipe, right? You know, and right. maybe those guys will be able to more effectively de-escalate that situation instead of just you know, blowing him away, and then being like, "Oops, you know that was actually you know, a pipe." You know, also I was justified. Whoop, you know. <laughs> severe emotional distress doesn't mean not yes. dangerous it just means like you know you got some issues and you might not be in full control of them right but it doesn't mean you're not dangerous and i think yeah when you have a dangerous situation and you know i got a buddy who's a who works ems you know they're expected to handle these situations without you know the monopoly on violence right now, it doesn't mean they like it and they don't want to, and you can't pay them scrotum and expect them to do all of that. So the the cops still play a part. Um, but like you said, right, like they they should come with and be back up. 
Like there shouldn't be the primary response. That's kind of where I, th I think, you know, like I, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, that that's where I am with it as, as well. Like leave the cops at home unless it's a dangerous situation. Like how about you, Peter? So the way I understand the question is um, if I'm in some kind of emotional di or distress or uh, some kind of distressful situation or, uh, or emotionally compromised, whatever, should I be calling 911? Is that, am I understanding right? Or, well, I mean, right now, 911 is basically the emergency number. So, like, okay, you know, right. let's say. So, so 911 is the emergency number, right? And I'm in an emergency, like, I'm in an emergency. Like, however you want to define that, like, uh, maybe, you know, I'm suicidal or something or whatever the fucking case may be. Mm -hmm. Usually, this is kind of probably addressing, like, you're calling on behalf of mm -hmm. someone. Like, you know, maybe right. you have a kid who is, okay. you know. So the, the way shit. I see this, the way the way I see this, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, maybe you guys can correct me, but like uh, if I'm facing an emergency and I don't know where to turn to, the number that I'm supposed to dial is 911, right? And um, I, I definitely think that maybe, maybe cops specifically aren't equipped to deal with certain situations like that. But that is one of the things that I think need to be addressed. And if they're not equipped to deal with that, then I definitely think that they should take the call and route it to the appropriate place where, where it, they do handle that kind of thing. Not to say that they should be the ones responding, but they should be the one to answer the phone, tell you, all right, we got you. Help is on the way. Like, that's what 911 is for. Help is on the fucking way. Whether that's some guy with a you know, a badge and a gun that shows up and blows you away because he doesn't know how to handle the fucking situation. That's a different story. But 911 should be able to pick up the goddamn phone, tell you help is on the way, and then find the appropriate avenue for help to actually be on the way. And if, if that means reforming, you know, how, how, how cops, you know, handle situations or, or, or understand situations or what they're trained to deal with or what they're trained to hand off to other agencies, then we need to train them. That's kind of how I see that. Like, you know, you call 911, that 911 operator picks up and, you know, they kind of direct the traffic. Like, I guess the question is more like, you know, if you do have a person with mental illness at this moment, your options are EMS, fire department, or the police. And usually it's the police that get that call. And it's kind of like, well, should the police be the ones to get that call? Should another agency? Should should the cops come with that other person? Um, yeah, I I I think that should it should probably be the EMS with police backup in in case the cops right. are needed. The cops should not be the front line in a mental health emergency, but they should be there in case it turns into something violent. I mean, I think we yeah, like the three of us kind of reached that conclusion just kind of naturally. I don't understand how it hasn't been thought of already. <laughs> right. Like, wow. You know. Um but okay, uh the candidates, right? We have uh Eric Adams, Sean Donovan, and Andrew Yang who both say yes, the cops should respond where the call suggests a risk to others. Catherine Garcia and uh, the other ones don't really matter in the, in this case because they're just I mean, they're polling so low. But just Catherine Garcia saying yes, the cops should respond under most or all circumstances. That's well, a maybe they should statement. respond, but they shouldn't necessarily be the front runner. I mean, I think there's a difference between those two. Things, oh, there, you know? there, there definitely is. Um, and she, I think she, her position is, um, and, and that's basically her position is that cops should just be there. Uh, and her statement is. 
quote, we should have nurses or someone else who have degrees in psychology participate with the police, but they need to do it hand in hand in partnership. And I think that's kind of where you are, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. And if that means reallocating funds, and like, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not an advocate of just taking money away from the police because, you know, we don't like them or we don't like the way that they do business or we don't like the way that they handle situations. We need to ask ourselves, like, are we, are, is what we're doing working? And if it's not, why? And if we're spending all this money on shit that's not working, maybe we can spend some of that money to try something else that might work. Makes sense. Um, and then... Diane Morales and Maya Wiley, which are the more left-leaning uh, Democrats in this election, say, no, NYPD officers should not respond to those calls as a general statement. So I guess we're somewhat in the middle of, of that. Right. I think, I think you should have a, a mental health response with police backup. But like the solution mm-hmm. isn't just point your guns at the crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? And if he gets too rowdy, we blow him away. That's obviously not the solution. No, no. And it, it, it's crazy that uh, um, that it is um, <laughs> the solution for now and has been for like forever. The police aside, and like this is a this is a great argument and this is a great thing that needs to and should be discussed. But, you know, that aside, w- w- you guys are New Yorkers. Are there any other huge issues yeah. in New York that you think are pressing and that need to be addressed? And do you think that any that any of the candidates speak to them? You know, my thing for for a person who hated it for so long, education is is a big one, and the New York public school system seems to be seems to be prime for some fixing. For sure. So yeah, that's that's another one. Especially you know, like I'm, I'm staring at the, I guess the business end of of probably time of starting a family for my own so now all of a sudden i care about education (laughs) but you know speaking about that uh we have candidates talking about uh the uh specialized high school admissions test and whether that should be something to be done away with whether that should be the only metric for getting into specialized high schools or you know maybe it should be looked at as one of a possible factors what do you guys think um so speaking you know about specialized high school and stuff like that you know you know there's lots of people that say that you know the existence of this one test or whatever and that determines you know whether or not you could go to like a school that's decent or you know you're doomed to go to you know you a very bad school, you know, that you're uh, locally zoned for or something like that. You know, I don't, I don't think that it should just be, you know, that, you know, I don't, you know, I think that, you know, there should be, you know, a test because, I mean, there's a test for everything else, but I also think that it should operate the way that, you know, they do for, you know, for example, going to college, right? You know, the SAT is not the only metric by which people get into college, right? You know, so... You know, the SHSAT should not be the only metric by which people get into, you know, these specialized high schools, you know, because, you know, not everybody, you know, you know, is a great test taker. Not everybody, you know, gets to, you know, get drilled on the things that, you know, the test, you know, tests for, you know, right. You know, I'm, you know, somebody that, you know, spent a lot of time in the, you know, New York City public school system, you know, so, 
you know, there's definitely differences depending on you know, where you are as far as you know what you're allowed to you know, be exposed to, right? And I would hate for the reason that you know, I couldn't you know, go to you know an excellent school, no matter despite my grades being very good, right? To be because you know I wasn't lucky enough to live you know in Park Slope as opposed to you know, Brownsville or something like that, or lucky enough to live in Bay Ridge or in Bayside, you know, as opposed to, you know, Canarsie or something like that. And, you know, my school, you know, only taught up to, you know, algebra and, you know, uh, somebody else's school, you know, had trig, right? So they can pass the SHSAT, you know, and, you know, I technically can't, right? Irrespective of the fact that, you know, I've got, you know, like a 99 average in school. So, you know, the, the admissions should be more, you know, holistic. Right. You know, I know that, you know, you optimally everything would be, you know, like a strict meritocracy. Right. You know, because that's, you know, what we believe things are, you know, in New York and America. And, you know, you make it big here. Like you do the best here. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there are too many things that uh, control, you know, how meritorious that meritocracy is. You know, so there should be, you know, you know other things that you go into it. And also, frankly, you know, since the demand is so high for specialized high school and stuff like that, you know, maybe there should be more of them, right? Like, there shouldn't just be, you know, what is there? There might be like 10 to 12, you know, such, you know, high-end high schools in, you know, the city. You know, maybe there should be 20. You know, maybe every CUNY, like some of them, you know, have, you know, uh, specialized or magnet high schools in their you know, maybe every, you know, public college in the city should also have an associated uh, public high school, you know, affiliated with it, you know, so that you could get, you know, the higher end uh, education necessary to do well, you know, and you could serve the people that want to have that higher end education or qualify for that higher end education. But you know, there, there's a lot of other things that go with that, you know? Uh, I don't know teachers. I don't, uh, no one in my family is a teacher. So... You know, I might be talking out of my ass here as far as what life is um, teaching, I guess, high school kids or I think eliminating the test completely is kind of short sighted because you're just getting rid of one metric and you do have to make sure that the people getting into um, specialized high schools can actually perform at the specialized high school. Otherwise, you're just bringing down the specialized high school. But at the point where, you know, we're trying to, if you're trying to fix that inequity or inequality of admission uh, into a specialized high school, then it would probably make sense to start addressing that issue from like the first grade by either put pouring more, more money in, in communities that don't have access to prep or don't have you know, just failing school systems uh, or like, you know, in the first grade even to kind of bolster that up instead of trying to fix, I guess, the education issues when this kid is like 14 or 15, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of years where they've been left behind, you know, by society. They're starting behind the eight ball. At that point, it's a little, it feels like it might be a little too late to start addressing it. So you know, like you said, why aren't there more specialized high schools? Like we should have more of them, but we should also be addressing the issues of why why people aren't failing to pass these specialized high schools exams in the first place. 
Um, that and, you know, like decoupling school funding to property taxes would probably do a lot as far as equaling out resource distribution. So, you know, right now it's if you're in a poor if you're in a poor community, um, your school is not funded and that's not that great. Whereas if you're in a, you know, a very wealthy community, well, you know, now you've got it access to everything and all the programs that, you know, you as a student need. So like things like that. Yeah. Just getting rid of rid of, you know, metrics and qualifications doesn't seem like it uh, just doesn't seem like a risk, like a, a reasonable response. You, 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 de- you like, I, I agree with that. I mean, like you gotta, you know, just like I said, like everything requires some kind of measurement or quanti- or qualification anyway. You know, mm-hmm. and like even in environments where they don't have that, like for example, you know, like to get into college in Texas, you know, uh, they have something called the talented tent, right? So, you know, if you live in Texas, you know, not only can you get into you know uh, the state schools, you know, you know, in Texas, if you have you know, like a certain you know, SAT score, you know, and you like you, the other parts of your package, but if you're in like the top percentage of you know, people in you know, top percentage of people in the school, right? So I think it's like the top ten percent, mm-hmm. but you automatically are able to uh, get uh, you know, admission into you know parts of the university system, right? So you know, wow. stuff yeah. like that, you know, like in combination with what you're talking about, right? So like, yeah, you should also fix you know, you know, uh education even starting from you uh pre-k and first grade and stuff like that right like you know maybe you bring back you know the the SOAR program and stuff like that so that you can have new gifted and talented students you uh you get educated you know you can have you uh Mm -hmm. better quality of education you know even from there right you know because you know i don't you it should i don't i i agree that there should be you you like you said there should be measurement for, and quantification and qualification for everything, right? You can't just you know, get into something just because, like, you know, yes, right? You know, mm-hmm. but also you know, you need you know, there shouldn't be you know, for example, a uh, uh, you know people in you know, school in Brownsville you know, should you know, their schools will not teach you know, a certain type of math, right? Like that should just not happen. Right. You know, it just shouldn't. No, it, it's got to be. You got to have a level playing field with going into these things, you know, as level as yeah. can be. And like you said, how can you measure you know, what these kids can and can't do if it's not even available to be taught to them, to be measured? Right. Like the, the, right. the stats and statistics for things like that, you know, could be are technically skewed. Right. Like, I don't know that these kids can't pass you this exam because they were never taught the things that are on it. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. We didn't learn trick. Right. We didn't get or that. Whatever. <laughs> you know. full, full disclosure, I didn't pass. Um, I didn't get high enough of a SH, SAT um, to get into any of the uh, the big three. Well, it's because okay. you're stupid. <laughs> I mean, like, there you go. So it's not I'm advocating for the SH, SAT, you know, after I passed it. This is coming from someone who did not pass it. So, yeah, I still see the the importance of it. You know, should it be the sole consideration? Okay, you know, maybe not. Like, have have a more well-rounded system, but it's got, there's a place yeah, for it. Can't it. Not just, it can't just not exist. Like, there can't be, you know, like, you know, nothing. Right? There should be, there should be other things that you can do to qualify. But it can't be that there's no, 
need to qualify. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So uh, final thought here, gentlemen. Um, do you guys have a preference in terms of these candidates? Um, and if so, why? I think I'm leaning towards Yang. I do have a lot of issues with the guy. Um, my issues so far is that he seems very... It seems like he's being pulled in a lot of different directions. You see in him what you want to see in him, and, and he doesn't have a very defined... I guess, either personality or viewpoint. It's kind of like, oh yeah, whatever is popular at the time. And that troubles me. Now, I don't know how his convictions are, and that's what concerns me, is that, you know, like it seems like his viewpoints can change at a drop of a, drop of a hat at times. And I think a lot of his big platform things, like, you know, guaranteed low income, and all, like, it's fine, but it, it addresses a very small a section and it seems like it's a lot of show and not a lot of bang. Uh, so I'm kind of borderline, but I do I do kind of like him. Although he does give me like a Mr. Negative kind of vibe. Andrew Yang is you know the public face. Okay, he's a nice friendly guy, but it, like he just goes home and he's that's when he turns into Mr. Negative and he's just like a drug kingpin <laughs> or something, you know, like Something, someone really just like smashing his wife into the wall, or like hey, something. He lives in some, New Paltz. I guarantee you that's not the case, or at least he used to live in New <laughs> Like something, you know, something. Could off. be selling Molly instead. Like he could be doing that. <laughs> like I said, he lives in New Paltz. <laughs> you know, and, and of course his lack of his lack of experience is is an issue as well. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like so, if I gotta go, right? No, like we're doing rank choice here. Let's. I might. I might have Yang at the top right now. That's. That might change. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Like I do appreciate the fact that he is Chinese and or or Asian, and he is in public or running for public office, a big public office, because I feel like uh, Asian representation in politics is very low, and engagement from the Asian community is also very low, which is why our votes don't matter and our voices don't matter um, and we as a people don't matter in this country uh, for the most part because we just don't get into politics. So I do like that. Um, so a lot of it is a race thing. I also, Scott Stringer, uh, I can see a lot of his points too. I'm not comfortable with his... Uh, Ooh, with the rapist the, uh, guy? The accused rapist Yeah, the guy? sexual allegations with it, right? So like, you know, maybe I'll drop him down to like five um adams is a cop ass cop <laughs> so no um sean donovan god he's just so vanilla but at this point maybe you know of like two or three i like this i like the ideas of maya and uh of wiley and, and morales uh but you know some of the things like the sh sat go a little too far and you know the complete defunding of the police in terms of literally defunding the police um don't don't sit right with me so i'm probably put them in like uh like on the lower end maybe like three four five or something that leaves me with what garcia and and donovan in like in the two three spot so okay. I don't I don't know. It's 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 rough. I feel like there are a lot of candidates, but not one that I actually really like. I don't know if you guys have the same issue. John, what are you thinking? Yeah, like, you know, I I, I ain't gonna rank because you know, like nobody has quite you know, you know, you people aren't really standing out yet in this clown car uh democratic primary. 
you know, it's it's man, it's so, it's just so many people, and it's such a consequential choice. Uh, I will tell you that in my you know, I guess on you know, the four four of the people that I'm I'm looking at is definitely you know Yang Garcia uh, Stringer and Wiley. You know, like in with Yang and Garcia, you know, I feel like there'll be that you know, boring competence. You know, which you know after <laughs> you know the the previous political epoch. You know, just like both, uh, both locally, but also you know, uh, within the whole country. You know, I'm, I'm, it's I'm a huge fan of boring rote competence, right? Like people that understand yes. that know where the bodies are buried. You know, people that know how the sausage is made. You know, people that know you know uh, mm-hmm. what kind of compromises you know, might need to be made in order to have some version of something happen. You know, rather than nothing at all. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, to to be quite frank, right? So that's you know that's how I look at you know, Garcia and Stringer, right? Because they're both you new know, people that you know, came from uh, working within uh, the New York City government. You know, uh, and like Wiley and yeah. Yang are more uh, outsiders. You know, they have you know, a nice mixture of you know, of interesting and novel policies and positions that you know, you could could result in, you know, a change in how things are, you know, done, you know, here, you know, you know, people that aren't gonna, you know, you know, police poverty, for example, you know, those are things that I'm interested in, right? right? You know, cause you, you, I mean, that's, that's a thing, right? Like there's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, cops and stuff like that. A lot of, you know, you know a lot of the city is really disinterested in, you know, helping you, uh, the poor you know, helping you people struggling and stuff like that. So, you know, I kind of, you know, I'm interested in policies that you know, do this, you know, and yeah, so those are uh, four people I'm looking at, you know, I don't know if there is, you know, a fifth yet, you know, you know Eric Adams is in fact a cop-ass cop, you know, so like I'm, I'm very, <laughs> you know, I am reticent to support that on principle, you know, I will say that, you know, uh, you know he's he's also somebody that you know, uh, exists within you know politics uh, within the city. You know he's been the Brooklyn Borough President. You know he's been a cop. Mm-hmm. So you know from the standpoint of you know, somebody making you know, decisions you know, with regards you know, to the police that understand you know, what can and can't be done. You know, in your know, service of mm-hmm. public safety, you know, he may understand some things, but also he'd probably stop and frisk me if I was walking next to a turnstile. So like no. Um, yeah, so I mean, he does want to bring it back, so he does, he does, in fact, want to bring that. That is that's that's a big one. Uh, there's someone we didn't mention that alone turns me off, so (laughs) right. Um, there's Ray McGuire, we didn't really bring him up uh, much, but just not at all interested. Ray McGuire to me is kind of the same sort of thing where you know, like you see, like Andrew Yang, you can be whatever you you want him to be. You know, Ray McGuire mm-hmm. is is similar. You know, he's like a big business guy. You know, actually, you know, similarly to Andrew Yang, right? He's like a, a wealthy business guy that you know, wants to get into politics. You know, for reasons, right? Um, you know, whatever those reasons are, you you we can speculate on. Um, but you know, wait, wasn't Donovan and McGuire the ones that thought like buying a house yeah. in was like ninety thousand dollars? <laughs> you know, so. You know, 
Uh, Ray McGuire <laughs> not knowing what the cost of uh, property is in Brooklyn is like amazing to me, but it's like perfect you because he's a rich guy that might be out of touch with that. Like I think he thought like a house is like a hundred thousand right. dollars, which is like you know, fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> Sean Donovan right. not knowing that is even more hilarious because he's like literally worked in the federal government for like housing, so like he should super know. Yo, dude. Right. I mean, I feel like that's one of the questions. Like when you ask like Bill Gates. You know what's a gallon of milk cost? <laughs> like the guy does. Like, yeah. come on, it's not even remotely on the scope of things he cares about. So I, I think that that kind of disconnect is a little concerning. Although it does feel like a gotcha question, which yeah, I don't, yeah. you know. But it's it's kind of it's kind of yeah. interesting anyway. You know, I you, know, I am also generally hesitant for you know, like uh you. Know, super rich business people to do the job you know you know, i'm well that's the name of the but game. yeah that's that's the it's always yeah the that's part of the, of the reason why you know i i can't be that hesitant because yeah like a lot of these guys are you know, or have been you know, super rich business guys you know powerful lawyers you right. know shit like that right like bloomberg right. was like ultra rich you know like uh giuliani mm -hmm. was like you know, a powerful lawyer and stuff like that you know that basically ran on like a quasi Trump campaign of the nineties, right? So you basically he's like, right. you know, everyone hates the cops. You know, I'm gonna, you know, I love the cops. You know, vote for me. Right. So, you know a lot there there's a lot of that historically, you know, as far as uh this the consequential mayoral position in New York City. Yeah, like this thing this thing is I mean there there's so many issues in New York and, and there's so many candidates. It, it 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 doesn't even feel like we can cover it all it just in one in one sitting, you know. All right. Well, maybe we'll revisit this as the as the season goes yeah, on. Yeah, there there will probably be more debates and uh more instances in which we can look at stuff, you know. We can even discuss the much smaller Republican clown car which basically consists of you know, a guy, a guy cosplaying <laughs> as a public defender from the eighties, and like you know, right. uh, like rich grocery store magnets, and like the guy who used yeah. to run the uh, New York City taxi cab union that basically said you you should racially profile the blacks that enter the taxi cab. Uh, that's Fernando Mateo. Well, he's got my vote. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's it's a lot of people. We'll see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. All right. All right. F yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So uh, we'll definitely have a little bit more to talk about this as the situation develops. But um, it, it looks like that's all the time we have for Red Channel Condition this week, guys. Thank you so much for your insights into all of these wide array of topics and, and uh, uh, politics, policing, uh, pop culture, technology and more. And uh, join us next week. Check us out on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And remember, if you're interested in more of our content, check out the Red Channel Condition YouTube channel. For questions, comments, or if you just want to drop us a line, send us an email at redchannelcondition at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace out. Later. <laughs>